0: Now, here are three guys who think True Grit starts at 220. Mark,
1: Shannon, and Mad. All right, it is show number 513, and on today's show, we're talking about wood movement, air filtration in a garage shop, and benchtop jointers. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener, this month, they're giving away the Clampit Deluxe Kit, which includes everything you need for perfect 90-degree joints on large or small projects. This prize is valued at $89.99. Enter for your chance to win before November 1st at
2: rockler.com woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so. You can go to patreon.com woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. Woo! We'd like to thank Terry Bogdan III, Brian Roberts, Seth Belcher, Brickhouse Craftworks, and Chris Mewini. nah, Whatever. Mwini? Mewini? Mewheni. When you are the third,
1: do you feel <laughs> like if you've, you know, you let's assume you have kids, do you feel like a lot of pressure to keep the chain going? I don't know. <laughs> right? I've never been that person. Like, well, think about the pressure that that Terry has here if Terry has kids uh, you're the third do you want to be the guy who's like nah I'm going to name him John (laughs) well that's your prerogative I mean of course but I would feel like he has
2: a certain amount of pressure to keep you know to make the fourth it would depend on what Junior has to say about him carrying on that legacy well it's all parental pressure that's all it would be
1: yeah Junior's pretty far back right Okay. Huh? No, no, no. no Junior. Second. second. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you got to talk to Pops and be like, what do you think? Do I have to do this? <laughs> or he could just not care because it's not his decision. But still, I don't know. I just thought about it. You don't see many thirds these days. You, you still see juniors, but most people don't seem to go for the third. Like, is JR going to go for the third? You should ask him. I don't know. six. I, don't- <laughs> I think he could add some valuable input to this discussion
2: probably like where's my pizza or something <laughs> it's like can i have pizza yes then then yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bargaining which tool. answer leads <laughs> to
0: the best outcome so yeah yeah
2: <laughs> how do i get more <laughs> toys <laughs> do
1: i get more toys then sure let's go with that now can i play on the ipad <clears throat> yes
0: thurston <laughs> howell was the third wasn't he or was he the I fourth? Thurston so. Howell the third. So I feel like once you go to the fourth, now you're getting really pretentious. Thurston Howell might have been the fourth. It, is it,
1: like, doesn't it get like it's? Come on, you're not royalty. You don't have to keep pushing <laughs> right. us down. There are other cool names. <laughs> Settle down, it's, relax.
2: Who are you to tell me not royalty?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I could come from royalty. You never know. Yeah. Jersey royalty. I gotta check my 23andMe uh, information and see where I'm at with that. You never know. Okay. Uh, So let's just get out of this. Clearly clearly we have nothing to talk about today, (laughs) which is why we have a new segment um, that we're tentatively just going to call what's on the dining table. So we record, if you don't know, we record two shows at a time and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to do what's on the bench twice because we've already talked about what's on the bench. So we thought it might be fun to kind of fill this gap here a little bit with a segment called what's on the dining table. And This is where we just talk a little bit about what's actually going on in our lives outside of woodworking. I mean, it could be related to woodworking, but maybe it's something we didn't want to talk about on the first show, Um, you know, and just kind of filling you guys in. I I like to connect with people on a personal level, so this might be an opportunity to talk about some of that stuff. Uh, Oh, geez. I'm watching Shannon (laughs) type into (laughs) into the notes live. On what he plans to talk oh about. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not sure that's where you want to go. <laughs> this is going to go well. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oy. All right. Well, I'll go first. And uh, <laughs> hopefully Shannon won't talk about that. Um, so we're having some patio repair work done. And I don't see the guys out there. It's Saturday right now. So um, they were here earlier, but maybe they uh, are done for the day. So we have a front patio in front of our house. It's partially covered. And I don't know whether it just like the first, when it was built, uh, they didn't bring in the proper soil. They didn't compact it enough. But we have very volatile soil all around our property. It's a common thing to happen in this area, but it's especially common in the neighborhood that I'm in. So this brick patio, uh, after a couple of years, just kind of turns into a roller coaster. And I mean like seriously dangerous levels of heaving going on. And especially if there's like snow cover out there and you've got someone who isn't spe- expecting those little humps and dips to be in there. I mean, it's a serious safety concern. Uh, so this is now the second time we're doing this since living here that we are pulling the pavers up and having everything redone. The one difference this time, and I I'm hoping this is what is going to make the difference is uh drainage. And we are now having the slope instead of just kind of directed just away from the house toward the steps, it's actually going to be directed in, you know, all around the patio toward the center with a drain. And that drain then ties into an existing drain from the gutters. So we're kind of hoping that the direction of the water and ceiling and all that stuff is going to really, you know, This is going to be the one, you guys, that sticks. (laughs) It's getting damn expensive. Like, this is an expensive repair every time we do it now. And uh, I don't want to do it again. Well, you need a a punch card so you get your fourth one free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also went with a better company this time. And I've I've got a warranty. (laughs) So if there is a problem, I'm calling these dudes back to be like, hey, fix this thing. Do it Um, again. (laughs) Please do it again. These damn bricks! <laughs> Tired of the bricks, man. Hate bricks. Anyway, so that's what's going on with me, uh, Matt. What about you?
2: We are uh, we're having. Well, I guess my my in laws, Lindsey's parents, are moving to town from uh, Central Wisconsin. They're moving to uh, the Minneapolis area. Okay, which is fun. So, so what does that mean? Well, we've never had family nearby. Okay. How far are your parents? Six hours. I didn't know really? they were that far away. God, okay. I thought it was like that's an a, hour. It's a trek. Okay. No. Yeah, no. So uh, Lindsay's parents used to be, it's like two and a half hours. And then my parents were six. So we've never had any family nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay's sister just moved to town as well. And then the, her parents moved to town too. So like we have all this like family here now, which is kind of fun. Thanksgivings so, are going to be awesome. Well, we used to have both sides of the family in town for Thanksgiving every okay. year, so that's just going to be a little bit more convenient for oh, half okay. of people. Right. <laughs> sure. They right. won't have to travel nearly as far. but it's uh like selfishly, from like a selfish standpoint, it's super nice because like there's someone else here that can like deal with my kids. I'm just going to ask you, do they like the kids? <laughs> They love the kids. That's the only reason they're coming. Then this is going to be awesome. They're not moving here for me. I was
1: going to say, it's not moving It's for the kids. Of course not. It's for the kids. But this means like date nights can
2: come back. Yes. Without having to find a babysitter or something. Yeah, right. Or having our nanny stay like really long. Yeah. Hey, you worked all day? You want to like work a double? (laughs) (laughs) Been with the kids all day. How about a little longer? A little more. You want some more of this? So yeah. And uh, actually, well, we'll, uh, our nanny's on vacation this week. So they the grandparents have been here and taking the kids and doing that stuff. So it's been like, it's, it's nice. Yeah.
1: Made in the shade, man. When oh. we moved away from my mom, um, when we moved from Arizona to Colorado before she moved here, it's that like, we knew that's what would happen, you know, losing the built-in babysitting. But the reality of it was just like, man, this sucks. Huh. <laughs> like, I can't wait <laughs> till we have this, like, Hey mom, even just like the simple things, like not, not even to go out and do something fun. Like, like, one of the kids has a teacher parent teacher conference. This one has this other thing. Can you please watch one of the kids for like an hour and then I'll come pick them up. Like yeah. that sort of thing is fantastic.
2: Yeah, and they're close enough to, it's like, Oh, I can just
1: drop them off real quick. Yeah. Or something way to go. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. it has been cool. Good. Good deal. Um, Shannon, I'm scared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see see i feel like i have to say something now that we built it up i don't see it as a well we have to at least say what it was i don't see it as a particularly contentious topic but i guess that's probably because i have my own views oh i don't think you spend time on the internet yeah probably not well what's going on in, <laughs> in our house is my wife is a teacher so she was first in line to get her booster shot her covid booster shot
1: Hey-o! So you said yeah it.
0: so yeah that's what's happening in our house she's sick because the booster shot affected her a lot more than the initial vaccine. But yeah, that's the life of the life of the teacher. Because she, I mean, she got her initial vaccine like as soon as they were available as teacher. So it's been slightly more than a year, believe it or not. So she was absolutely due for a booster. Got it. And is like twice as sick as she was the, on, the, on the second shot the first time through. That's about so, it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of on my own because she's curled up in, in bed, but
1: <clears throat> recovering.
0: <laughs> add to that, the lack of direction that I have because I finished my triathlon season. So it's like, well, what do I do? I, I didn't like get up first thing this morning and ride for three hours. So I'm not really sure what to mm-hmm. do with my life. I guess I'll, I go back to the shop and get some woodworking done, do some woodwork, or I can go fix focus that, on that like, focus on planning next year's triathlon season doubling my distance mm-hmm. that's probably what's going to end up happening or nice. focus on like okay now it's time to go shopping for a real triathlon bike because you know i've got six to twelve thousand dollars just floating around with nothing else to do with it so i might as well just go ahead and buy a new bike
1: so, yeah. it's a handle school money man <laughs> that's right <laughs> the recurring revenue you got to put it
0: somewhere. that's true that's true got to put it into a triathlon bike and then go yeah. farther and faster so yeah that's yeah That's, that's actually, it's funny because we were talking about planning when to record the session and I was thinking, well, you know, if we do it uh, a little bit later, then I'll be able to get my training done. And then it was like, when I woke up this morning, like, well, I mean, I will, I'll probably go (coughs) jump on the bike later because it's fun, but like, I don't have to, (laughs) it's like, what happened? Anybody out there who's done, you know, longer endurance training stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, you just got your life back. I don't, I don't have the. 12 hours a week dedicated to endurance training anymore, which is kind of cool. So now I'm just going to get fat.
1: (laughs) That's good. But then you have something else to do after you Mm -hmm. get fat, you know, you got to go take it off again.
2: So yeah. Yeah. You can get into food or something.
1: (laughs) So I don't, I don't mean to double dip, but you're talking of fitness. I mean, maybe that's a good thing for us to talk about in the future. Um, Fitness routines. And I know Matt, your fitness is like just throwing logs around. Like it's nothing. (laughs) I thought we talked about how I just going to say until he
0: got the telehandle.
1: <laughs> well, now it's your turn to get that. So, um, I wanted to, to like, like everybody talks about, I don't know, online. It seems like anytime you hear anything about health, it's always bad news. Um, and I don't know, sometimes it feels like if I had a thing that I wanted to talk about and it turned positive, like, does anyone want to hear that? Or like, do we just want to hear bad news about people getting <laughs> sick? Um, <laughs> So I was always hesitant to talk about this, but like uh, just in terms of fitness journey stuff, uh, this past uh, physical, I actually got the the good news about my blood sugar um, that I have like effectively reversed my pre-diabetes to now not being pre-diabetic at all. Oh, cool. Right um, just by, you know, I've got the news a couple years ago and was like, well, look, this is not going to be like, I'm going to change this today. Like it, it, this has to be a long-term change. Uh, exercise has to get ramped up more cardio and just kind of like making long term changes. So every year it's like, it goes down 0.1 mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Cause you hear about that type of thing. Like my mom's diabetic and doesn't do anything about it outside of taking medication and managing it. Um, she doesn't do any of the stuff that could actually reverse it. And I never really thought of that as being a truly reversible condition. Obviously diabetes, depending on, uh, the type and the nature of it. Um, in mine, it was definitely my grandmom had it. My mom had it. And now, you know, I'm going down that path, but I'm like, well, no, if I can do anything to prevent going further down that path, I probably should. Um, so I have made those changes and I was just like super excited to see that I'm down now at the point where I'm no longer considered pre-diabetic, which is kind of crazy. Cause I thought it was just kind of like a, uh, here's your sentence. This is, this is where your life is going. Enjoy the terrible sugar-free cancer. <sighs> <laughs> <It's> disgusting. <laughs> so that's anyway, awesome your fitness talk got me thinking. congratulations about well i mean there's no doubt that like you you look
0: at uh, you know parents um family friends that have gotten older and you know frankly started to fall apart and it's like no 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 mm-hmm. let's let's write this shit before it's too late so yeah that was user it or lose yeah it. yeah well and we um you know who wants to be go like in in using a walker when you're like sixty five, you know, <laughs> yeah. sixty five is so not even close to old anymore. So yeah, it's yeah. something to think about. Well, let's
1: bring it back to woodworking. I mean, do you want to be in the shop making things that often requires you to lift things into place and and use hand mm-hmm. tools that require dexterity and be on your feet, you know, for hours at a time? Um, you you kind of have to stay active if you want to be able to do that, right. you know, well through retirement. <laughs> I definitely plan on doing that for my entire life, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've I've actually had several members of the hand tool school who have, you know, come to me and said, I'm, I'm just not able to do the work anymore. And people who have said that, Mm. you know, I'd I'd like to sell my tools and I want them to go to actual woodworkers and, you know, they'll list something in the hand tool school community. And it's just like, you know, and, and I'm like, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. And well, yeah, you know, I'm turning 67 this year. I'm like, what? Like, no, <laughs> that's, that's, you that's know. not good. You know, and, and in many instances, it's there's, there's other stuff going on there, but, you know, True. I think there's, there's a, outside of there's control. a lot of instances yeah. of just, you know, being unhealthy for so many years and it becomes really, really hard. I mean, believe me, it took me, it took me a solid two and a half years to drop all the weight that I'd managed to gain, you know, over a couple of decades. Um, I'm sure there are ways to do it faster that would be on very unhealthy and would probably cause you to swing back the other direction. But yeah, it's like, uh,
1: but that's the rebound thing that I was talking yeah. about. Like you, you gotta make lifelong changes and it doesn't happen being drastic. <laughs> well, it's
0: just it. funny because people, I, know, I still get, like, I, I, I released a YouTube video this week. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's been, what? you know, dogs and cats living together. It's mass hysteria. But, um, <laughs> there, there are people that even though I've certainly put out plenty of YouTube videos since I lost the, the, all the weight, you know, there are people who haven't seen it. So I still get comments like, you know are you sick yeah there's that one you know, <laughs> but then there's like you know what you know what's the secret what did you do and i'm like i hate to tell you this folks there's no secret it's called exercise and and like healthy eating <laughs> it's like yeah. no no fat here it was you know and in, in my case i went i went a bit extreme because I, once i i lost the weight i got my competitive spirit back and then it was like okay <laughs> the exercise went a little bit off the the deep end and 12 hours a week, you know, was suddenly where I was going, but it, you know, there, there's absolutely no secret. It's just healthy living. Frankly,
1: this reminds me of the Steve Martin quote. I will do anything to look like him except of course, exercise. or eat right." <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let me just close this out by saying since Shannon did bring up COVID boosters, if anyone has anything to say about that and you feel like we need to hear it, Uh, save it because we don't want to hear it. (laughs) I honestly do not care what anybody has to say about that. So please don't email us about that. (laughs) Uh, keep it to yourself. That's okay. Uh. Okay. So, uh, kickback and announcements. What's this here from David Shannon? You want to grab that one? I didn't put that.
0: Oh yeah. Um, so David wrote it and said several episodes ago, um, Shannon said, you can't rehydrate toast. Um, in fact, the (laughs) episode was titled rehydrated toast. Um, It was in reference to kiln-dried lumber, although I can't remember the exact context. So he said a week ago, a video was published in which a gentleman built a reverse toaster. And I thought you folks would get a kick out of it. Whoa. So apparently you can rehydrate toast. Why you would want to, I'm not sure. But I got to check it out. So I suppose maybe we could, could we use the same process to to rehydrate kiln-dried lumber? I don't know.
1: I mean, in the same useless way as to why would you want to reverse toasted bread to its previous state? <laughs> like, why would we you want you can. It? Just to, yeah, I guess so. Just to say you can. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe you do it enough times, it becomes more stable. stable. Uh, okay. bread? Well, I'm talking about wood now. Okay. <laughs> not I mean, not often concerned bread. about my bread's <laughs> stability. Bread
2: stability.
1: Um, so we got... Uh, Taylor says a couple of episodes ago when you guys were talking about the festival domino joiner, you brought up the loose setting on the machine and that you shouldn't really ever need to use it as long as you line up your joints accurately. While I don't quite have the pocket change to own one of these, a common reason I have seen for this setting is for wood movement, particularly on a breadboard and for tables. If the table is cut with the tight setting and the domino glued into it, you could then use the loose setting on the breadboard side and uh, dowel the domino from the bottom side. That way, the wider Domino groove on the Domino side will allow for lateral movement. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong, but that's like one use case. <laughs> so that, 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 <laughs> it makes sense. Ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the rest of the use cases, you like, you don't have to. I mean, you can. People have their justifiable reasons for doing it, but um, but I, I can't disagree. But yes, that's that's the exception that proves the rule. Um, what was I going to say before? I don't remember. Okay. so that's that (laughs) so do you guys know uh, that it's gift making time Uh already like it's it's coming I was supposed to start that already I mean it depends on depends on how much time you spend in the shop you might need to start thinking about
2: this already I'm sure it's too late already for me (laughs) most likely
0: (laughs) (laughs) I figured I would just use the loose Uh, setting on the domino and just make like little things that slide back and forth and just say it's it's like a fidget spinner it's the new version of the fidget spinner
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah slide it back and forth it's fun uh you know the, the going back to that breadboard thing <laughs> you gotta you gotta make sure you do that right though right like that's not all there is to making that work you it's a whole process I did a video on this but I have also done a video in the past where I did it incorrectly um, in in dowling the domino and allowing it to move but you gotta you gotta make sure you do that right um because it's it's all too easy and you'll find examples of other people out there doing it incorrectly so. Uh, my most recent video on breadboard ends will show you that the correct way. And it's actually quite a pain in the butt um, to do it with a domino. Cause they're so small or they're narrow anyway. So back to, uh, back to this ad um, the best <laughs> gifts are actually the handmade gifts. We all know that Rockler put together a handmade gift guide that includes all the tools and supplies you need to make gifts for your friends and family. The guide includes over a hundred free plans and customer project images So you can get inspired and make the perfect gift, get a jump on gift making, find the guide, plus great holiday deals at rockler.com right on the homepage there. Uh, So yeah, this is the time of year. And I remember I think it was last year where we all sort of became aware of just how much stuff there is on rockler.com with regard to gift making and plans and then all the accessories yeah, and materials you might need to make those yeah. things. I,
0: built, I um, built the sunflower clock last year that Rockler, I think, is actually showing right? in that, that image on the Rockler website. Big what, hit. Was that a year ago
1: mm-hmm. when you were talking about that? Yeah. yeah oh, it was. Time flies when you're doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't
2: really directed at you, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> God, man, you're so worthless. <laughs> Why are you even here? It would be so much better if you actually, like, you know, did things with your life.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Okay. So thank you, Rockler, for sponsoring the show. Uh head over to Rockler, guys. Get to the store. Check it out. They got great stuff there. Trevor has a question. He says, I'm a beginner woodworker and I'm learning more and more about dust collection and potential hazards of the fine dust floating around in the air and ultimately into my lungs. When I'm not wearing a mask, I work out of my garage and generally have the garage door open, but will eventually have to close it for the upcoming uh, Michigan winter. I was up there by uh, Mr. Vanderlist. I also have a door on the back of my garage and I'm wondering a few things. One, does opening both doors create enough airflow to pull some of the finer dust out? I also have a larger fan hanging from the rafters and I could turn that on to aid in moving some air but I find that it just swirls the air more than creating direct flow out of the garage door. Number two, does an air filtration unit work if the doors are open? Is it more afle- uh, effective <laughs> in a closed environment? And number three, what are some of the considerations when looking at ambient air filtration units? Uh, I've learned a lot from listening to the podcast and appreciate the work you put in. Thanks. Okay, well, thank you, Trevor. So number one, both doors are open you get that nice, uh, you know, airflow, cross, cross, cross ventilation, cross ventilation. Yeah. Yes. That is the, that's the stuff. Now here's the thing, <laughs> just because you open, open two doors, <laughs> you know, like right now I could open a window in my office and open up the sliding door in the back. Technically that's when cross ventilation begins, but do you feel the air? I think that's what it comes down to. Sometimes the airflow is such that everything is, you know, it's not really windy outside, so you're not getting a ton. So I think no matter what, it's going to help. It's better than nothing, but I think just how effective it is at driving out active, you know, freshly produced dust that's in the air, how effective that is, is questionable. And if you're continually actively making dust, and there's dust on the surfaces, as that cross ventilation comes in, it's not only you know, I mean, the dust has to go somewhere, right? So it's got to go past your face before it gets out the door. And then as, <laughs> if if there's actually, like that's the whole thing back with uh, ambient air cleaners, when people will talk about best practices and not running it while you're in the shop, the whole purpose of that is that it's circulating the air and kicking it up. And if you're standing in there going, got my air cleaner on, where do you think the dust is going? It's swirling around your head. So if there's enough air movement through these two doors, you may be even kicking up more because your shop floor isn't clean or your surfaces are coated in dust. So cross ventilation is definitely good. I think it does cut down on things, but it may not be like the thing that's a substitute for a respirator, depending on the situation. Um, And it's hard to know. It's really hard to know. This is why I have one of those dilos meters, because I wanted to find out how this stuff works. How well does it work? What happens uh, when the doors are open? Now I can tell you in Arizona, opening those doors, the number only gets to a certain point. Because there's so much ambient dust in the air in Arizona that eventually (laughs) different kind of dust. It was just a different dust. I was serious. It was bad. And you get to Uh. the point where it goes, okay, getting um you know, getting back to number two here, does the air filtration work with the doors open? It depends on your environment. It depends on the conditions outside, how much dust is in that air, how much wind is coming through and kicking up more dust in your shop. Um, It can work, but what I found is running the air filtration unit with doors or windows open, it only gets so low. If you close the doors and you close that space in and just let the air filtration unit run, you actually will get to a lower number approaching zero. And I think a lot of that just comes down to dust settling and not being stirred up again. Uh, and then also, if you depending on where you live, potentially dust coming from the actual outdoor environment into the shop.
0: I also think the speed. I mean, certainly it depends upon the volume of your shop, but I know in my one-car yeah. garage shop, when I turn on my jet air filter on high, it's like five minutes and it's gone. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it a clean fast. room for God's sake in five minutes. Yep. So there is something to be said about you know if if you had just done a particularly dusty operation or something like that, shut everything up leave the shop, go get a, you know, go get a drink, turn the air filter on. And it's like a brand new shop when you come back in five, 10 minutes yeah. later.
1: Well, I think a good practice is if you have those doors open and you're doing really dusty work, go ahead and leave them open. It's going to take a lot of the dust out of there. But if you are getting, you know, like me paranoid about this stuff, um, the, the, the sto- sort of standard order in practice would be to like, let the dust blow out when you're finished doing the actual work, give it a couple minutes and then close everything down like Shannon says, and then run those air filters, uh, give it 10 or 15 minutes and come back. And if you had a dilos meter in there, you would see that number plummet pretty quickly. Um, and don't forget the value of uh, vacuuming, because a lot of times the surfaces, the floor, this is all a source for dust that once you open the doors up and you start walking around, you're uh, disturbing that dust and kicking it back up into the air. Uh, So number three, what are some considerations when looking at air filtration units? I mean, most of the time, it's just how many, you know, cubic feet per minute it's going to move. But ultimately, if your shop isn't huge, you know, if you're not in a big warehouse, uh, you'll probably be fine with just about any air uh, filtration unit. You might even be able to just do a box fan and a filter if you wanted to just to get something going in there. Um, I think a lot of times it can come down to creature comforts, you know, timers. Uh, remote controls, things like that, that might be of interest. A lot of times these things are mounted on the ceiling, so they're not easy to get to. Um, Also looking into electrostatic filters, there aren't many uh, in the woodworking world, at least branded for woodworking. Uh, Air filters, Powermatic is one of them. Um, They do sell an electrostatic filter. That's kind of nice because you just kind of vacuum off the, uh, the dust off of that sucker and then throw it back in and you're good to go. So you're not buying furnace filters all the time. Um, But those are, for me, at least the primary considerations. Also noise. I don't know what you do in there, how much you're bothered by air movement noise or the noise of a fan, Um, but some units are quieter than others. So go ahead and look at the uh, decibel ratings on there. And uh, Powermatic is also the quietest one that I know of, which is the reason why I like them is because I can kind of run them if I'm filming uh, and not have to, like, if I forget to turn it off, I don't have this fan noise in the background of my videos. That's all. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Very
0: good. All right. Well, this question comes from Jose, and uh, it's a bit of a bit of a can of worms we're opening here. But uh, he says, since wood moves more widthwise, would a half lap eventually fail in an outdoor environment due to wood movement? Same question as to a tenon and a mortise. Doesn't the mortise constrict the tenon? So, first things first, Jose. I encourage you to stop thinking about wood moving widthwise and think more about how wood moves in relation to the grain. Because the board may not always... Because wood moves in all three directions, technically. It just moves less longitudinally. But depending on how the grain is situated in that board... If you're thinking about it always moving across the width of the board, it might not actually apply, depending on how that board is cut. So, gain a, make sure you're understanding how width is moving in relation to the growth rings. It's expanding and contracting across those growth rings and expanding and contracting across what you might think of as, as the thickness. Um, it's expanding and contracting all the time. The thing that you need to, to remember is that wood movement is a percentage game. It's moving a percentage of the, the width of that board, that cross grain direction of the board. So if you were to make a half lap that's 12 inches wide, yeah, you might have an issue with it failing in an outdoor environment or in an indoor environment for that matter. Um, mortise and tenons, you're not making you know, a four inch, six inch wide tenon. Um, In fact, if you run into a situation where you've got like say an eight inch wide apron being joined into a leg, um, oftentimes you'll find that there are multiple tenons in that apron, you know, split up into two tenons or three tenons. And the idea there is the tenon itself maybe is one and a half or two inches wide. Well, say that wood movement, you know, From extreme to extreme is 6% tangentially speaking. So from one extreme to another, from green to bone dry, it's going to move 6%. Well, what's 6% of one and a half inches? I don't know. I I don't know that math off the top of my head. It's very little. A tiny number. A tiny number. So here's the next thing. Is that wood going to move that entire spectrum from green to bone dry? Doubtful. Highly doubtful. In fact, what it may do is change... 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, you know, um humidity or relative humidity, the actual moisture content of that board might change 3%. Um, uh, you know over that that span. So now you're looking at an even smaller number that that's going to move. Um wood moves, recognize that wood moves, build to accordingly, but don't be afraid of it at the same time. Um if you find yourself joining cross grain a cross grain situation a wider section of board that's when you need to start thinking about how do i deal with this and we talked about breadboards earlier there you know you might have a 36 inch cross grain joint so we do that by breaking it up into a series of smaller tenons you peg the center tenon you lock that center tenon in place and you allow room for expansion and contraction on those smaller tenons um, on the outside but the tenon itself is locked into place we're not worried about it expanding in there because while wood also moves wood also compresses a certain amount so you know technically that two inch wide tenon is going to expand inside the mortise the mortise is going to constrict it and there's going to be some compression that happens in there as well in the end though that wood movement number is actually quite a bit smaller than you might think it is so just remember to think about it in terms of percent and the numbers that, like, if you look at a technical specification chart of cherry, you'll see the tangential movement for cherry is 6.4%. That again is the extreme moving from green to dry. Um, a massive, massive, massive swing in moisture, which if you're starting with kiln dried lumber, you're lucky. If you know, lucky, I don't know if lucky is the right word. <laughs> you're unlucky. If that board, the moisture content of that board changes 3% seasonally, like, annually if it changes three percent maybe maybe three percent one direction three percent in the other direction more likely a total of three percent is how it's gonna move so the the movement itself when you start looking about the narrow width of the tenon or the narrow width of that half lap because here's the other thing why would you make a 12 inch wide half lap you know that's the joint itself is not quite suited for that half laps tend to get used a lot in frame type joinery narrower joinery here again that narrow frame piece isn't going to move as much because wood movement is a percentage game i've said that six times now so Mm -hmm. i'm going to shut up
1: it might be worthwhile if you want to see these numbers for yourself jose to look at an online calculator for wood movement um just plug in a lot of times it's like look at your yearly relative humidity extremes plug those in and it gives you numbers based on uh the size of the material the type of cut the species And you will often find that the movement, actual movement amount is uh, not as much as you might think. And this is often why you'll find people doing things like, you know, telling people that wood movement doesn't happen or we don't have to worry about wood movement because it is generally small. Yeah. But that's, you know, still to your detriment if if you don't actually pay attention to to how much it's going to move and then allow for it. So these calculators are pretty good. We'll put a a link to at least one of them in the notes Mm. for you guys.
2: Okay, Matt, good stuff. Oh, oh, this is a good one. I I picked this one to get a rise out of Mark. No. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh questions from George. Do any of you have experience with benchtop joiners? Is it a good option for the weekend hobbyist? No. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I think from like last episode, another question that we uh discussed ad nauseum before, mm-hmm. but Keeps coming up, so we we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it again. No, sure. So the, uh, the the tool that everyone loves to hate, well everyone being Mark, uh, <laughs> I had the, uh, the the Jet Combo Benchtop Jointer Planer thing, and as that thing goes, I found it to be a very good uh, stopgap kind of thing before I could get into a much more larger thing. The the biggest disadvantage of these benchtop tools is just their size. So if you're a weekend hobbyist who also only makes small things, probably fine. If you want to make like actual real size furniture, not like dollhouse furniture, (laughs) probably not going to be all that great for you. You're going to hate it because those beds are so short. You can't flatten anything longer than, I mean, three feet is kind of pushing it. Four feet, good luck. Longer than that, it's not even worth even having a jointer at that point. You're going to have to use some other method to flatten it. So if you're only, for whatever reason, if you're making things that have parts that are only like within, you know, two feet long, you might be fine, but otherwise you're going to hate it. But if it's something you can get to get going right now and you can uh, upgrade to something else in the future, go for it.
1: Mm -hmm. No, you're going to hate it anyway. Yeah. regardless
0: you so, know what though I, it, I think it's important to because to to talk about you know what matches said the size of the parts that you're dealing with if two foot three foot might be pushing it but you think about the average furniture part they pretty much fall in that range you know, certainly you're going to have your outliers well, you know you
2: depends what you're making but yeah yes. i mean you know,
0: if you're making solid you know chest of drawers you're probably going to run into a lot of 48 inch long sides or whatever Beds certainly is a whole other issue but i mean if you're building like an end table Um, you know, or, or, um, even, even a chair, yeah, a chair, you're dealing with much shorter parts. And I think that's a key distinction because I see a lot of people who go straight to the joiner and planer, like they go, they unload from the lumber yard and they go right to the joiner and planer. And I'm just sitting there going, why didn't you cross cut that down? like if you've got a bow over that eight foot board and you're trying to get that face, that eight foot face flat on your joiner. Yeah. yeah, You need longer beds. You need a good parallelogram joiner and you need, you know, some technique for dealing with that as well. But you're also going to remove a lot more wood to get that eight inch face flat. But if you look at your, you look at your parts, your parts list or whatever, and you say, okay, my longest piece is 36 inches. You know, it makes sense to go to the chop saw or grab your crosscut saw. Um, or your your um what are those things called skill saws <laughs> thinking of safe reasons <laughs> with rough saw and lumber how to how to cut lumber down don't run it across the table saw folks in other words um but cross cutting that down into shorter parts you might actually find that that benchtop joiner is is a fine solution for what you're actually doing um just mm-hmm. think think a little bit step ahead now i mean this can be can pose some issues. If you really want to get in grain and color matching and things like that, um, you know, if you can't really see the grain, you don't know exactly what parts are going to, to put where. There are ways to get around that. But I I encourage you because I see this all the time. I see people running long boards over the joiner and running long boards to the planer and like, oh, I've got this snipe because there's so much cantilevered weight coming out the outfeed side of the planer. It's like, why do you need a seven foot, eight foot long board over that joiner. Are you
1: building a bed? Because that's
0: like the only do you use think case it's, or a workbench maybe.
1: Well, no, do you think it's an efficiency thing where people are thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, joint and plane this whole board. Then I'm going to chop my pieces. Oh, out I have no doubt. As opposed so. to, because that's what I was yeah. thinking right.
0: back in, in well, the that's the material to
1: handle. You
0: know, I would yeah. think the exact but same thing. I think thing. if you
1: have the thickness, though, well, you can get away with it. Fine. But if we're talking about like minimizing like this with a small uh, benchtop tool totally get those parts down to size and make one well, especially if you have a joiner
0: set up like mark so i hear that takes off like 120 128th <laughs> of an inch with each
1: pass it's a pre- it's a precision tool oh boy oh boy <laughs> we actually in my shop when we uh you know do the stupid thing we call it cremona passes <laughs> oh god so it has an official name and you're like oh i actually want to be like done John with will John will go, hey, do we want bad results and we don't care what happens? <laughs> Can I just do a Cremona pass? I'm like, absolutely. Have at it. <laughs> What's the problem? So What's on uh, just to clarify, yeah, There's always more. That's the problem with Matt. Is His stuff is always thicker than everybody else's and, and he doesn't have to worry about it.
2: That's why you should cut your own lumber. That is cut true. to whatever thickness you want. See, there you Can't go. Can't disagree with that. Come over to <laughs> my, my, my side of the pond. There's, there's <laughs> my, uh, a very inappropriate show title on that statement,
0: by the way, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I think there are probably a lot of benchtop jointers that are perfectly fine. Um, my gripe specifically with the, the, the combo machine that, that Matt and I always fight about <laughs> is that I don't think it was very well made. So that, yeah, if you're doing little baby dollhouse parts, you're probably not putting enough stress to uh, cause the deflection and the sagging that can happen. With those components, they're just not made of good materials. So when you put any kind of weight on them, that flatness that you just spent an hour tuning that thing to to yield is not going to happen anymore. And that's where my frustration came with it because I am building you know decent sized furniture uh, on or trying to use it on that thing, and I found it very very frustrating. Um, and that is not what uh, George is specifically asking about is benchtop jointers, and that's actually not the same thing. Um, I think. You probably spend about the same amount and you get a jointer. It's actually going to be a decent jointer.
2: You're, you're just limited by the size for the most part. So one of one thing, the things I think is worth kind of mentioning with these is adjustability. Is, I don't know on the actual like dedicated bench top joiners, do they have adjustments for aligning the tables?
1: Like calibration? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good
2: question. Because um, I know on, a lot the, of cheap on tools the jet don't. that I have, you couldn't. And if you wanted to calibrate I think you would have to like take it apart and shim it
1: right yeah
0: no i think you're so right. i don't
2: know if the other ones have built-in <laughs> calibration so it's usually like a single
0: cast base within you yeah. know two tables that are like bolted to the same um the same ground base if you will
1: i think when you're at that that format and that price point i, I don't i don't think so i i mean most
2: of them probably don't
0: Interesting. Yeah. so just get to join check it plane. out
2: before you buy it i guess well, like I guess bringing that's a square the, to Home Depot to buy a square. That's that's the other problem. It's like <laughs> if
1: it's off and if you know enough about the tool to know that it's off, how frustrating is that that you can't even tune it up, you know, to get it where you need it to be?
2: Well, maybe but your, that said, if your parts I, I, are but, short enough, maybe you won't even notice.
1: Maybe not. But I, I do know plenty of people who get along fine with a bench top jointer. That's all they need. It works well for them. So I think ultimately, though, if I'm being fair, if I were answering this question for George. Uh, is it a good option for the weekend hobbyist? I'm not going to say it's a good option. I'm just going to say it's, <laughs> it's an, an option. <laughs> it's totally an option.
2: Well, the other thing too, we haven't talked about either is there's lots of different ways to flatten things that don't necessarily involve a jointer. No. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a longer stuff, if you do longer stuff, you can do a planer sled too. So it's not like yeah. you're limited to just, I can only flatten these things. And then if I want to make a board flat, the six feet long, psh, yeah. I, I've i never heard of a hand plane before. <laughs> I haven't either.
0: <laughs> I gotta. So I
2: guess if you're a hobbyist, you know, you have time to kind of mess around and do some other options with things yeah. on uh, project parts that don't fit on this uh, smaller machine. So, you know, that's an option too. I most. know in my
0: my okay. early days, I did just about all my jointing on my router table with one of those offset fences.
1: Oh, that's cool. like a dream. Oh, sure, it's yeah. great.
0: You know, it was perfect for actual like edge jointing. It gave me. Perfect flat edges. I don't know. What is the what's mm-hmm. the width limitation on a benchtop joiner? Like four inches? Like a four inch wide board for face jointing? Probably. That's probably maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the bit, but you're not gonna get much bigger than four. Four is kind of scaring me just thinking no about i mean on a bench top exactly
0: joiner, not a router the, plane
1: not the router oh sh- I'm thinking yeah about.
0: no hell no <laughs>
2: <laughs> hell no <laughs> a four-inch router. first of all you would oh be, be mounting
0: a shaper bit in your router which is <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'll be that'll be fine yeah no worries
1: <laughs> what was your question again now
0: <laughs> the, the actual capacity of a bench top joiner isn't it about four inches oh oh well uh, don't some of them come to six do they really Okay, see, now that, that would so. scare me a little bit.
1: I'm going to look it up. Bench, top.
0: That jointer. sounds like a very loud screaming machine, too.
1: To okay. Well, yeah. There's, oh, geez. Oh. Tool tech industry has, oh, that's no, an edge bander. Why did that come up when I searched for jointer? <laughs> we may never know. Yeah, why joint edge? You just just <laughs> them. There you go. Um, Rycon has, get this, guys. Look at this eight inch helical style bench top joint but oh, really 649 bucks you know what that is that says to me this is something that they just took the stand away. yeah right <laughs> like, <laughs> look it's a bench top
0: style now. yeah no you're exactly right that's well my you cut the legs off. my first uh <laughs> my first six inch grizzly joiner was essentially a bench top joiner on top of a case. A hollow case yeah and because the the motor the motor was hung off the back it wasn't in the case underneath which is where they usually put oh, those really? things yeah um so mm-hmm. yeah that, that's basically what it was you just you know it's 650 bucks because the the extra hundred you pay for the floor stand model was the actual sheet metal for the case underneath and the dust port yeah. basically
1: okay so i could just tell you shop fox has one that's six inch but I keep finding eight inch. Wow. So ba- is it Bailey? Bailey Industrial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they've got one that's also eight inch, and it's like nine hundred dollars. See, I'm thinking about like when you say
2: Benchtop top I'm thinking like the little like the old like um Delta like Delta yeah. one, yeah, Little tiny thing. That's I'm just I'm finding the wrong stuff here. I apparently I've been out of this for
1: so long. <laughs> Still though, that that <laughs> yeah. actually kind of terrifies me, though. Like
0: the the motor required to to turn a six inch spindle you know and just you you think about i mean i guess that's really all it is it's just the machine without the base and they've hung the motor off the backside, or maybe they've reduced the motor yeah um you know it's a cast iron um cast iron tables probably but like matt was saying i remember them they were like they weren't cast iron first of all the infeed and outfeed table were not they were like um pressed steel like cheap table saw wings type thing, yeah. Um, you know, and it had like wow. the, the
1: ones you would find at like Lowe's and exactly,
0: home depot, yeah. Right? Craftsman model. Um, yeah. Okay, so
1: I, I'm finding it now. If you go, uh, if you look for the Porter Cable one, that's three nineteen. This is what this is the kind that we're usually referring to when we talk yeah, about bench top jointer. That's what I'm
2: thinking. That that's the right price
1: range. Six right. inch variable speed jointer. Uh, straight knives if you're getting helical heads and cast iron beds and it just happens to not have <laughs> legs and you're spending almost a grand on it, you're not st- you're really not in the same category anymore. That's a different tool. And that is probably a very good serviceable tool.
2: Yeah. I didn't realize like you can spend a grand on
1: a benchtop top joiner. Yeah. I mean, they're approaching an eight inches helical head. It's just got no legs.
2: Hmm. Okay. I my tune is changing.
1: <laughs> well, this is a different conversation now. Slightly. See, and, what, and what we're talking about with the combo machine is take that same, I don't know, $400, $500 or something and make that do two things now. And what has to happen when it does two things? You have to have cheaper parts because there's only one way to make that happen yeah. at that price point, right? right? That's that's where my big problem comes in with the, the cheaper combo. Machines. Well, also anytime you've got
0: a combo, there's a <clears> lot more moving parts you've got to switch things around and i don't know that's just to me a point of failure over time yeah Um, totally more things that are going to go wrong my joiner i remember i set it and i forget it like i I calibrated it i got everything set up i never adjusted the depth (laughs) of the cut on it or any of that stuff you know
2: where'd i leave my jointer (laughs) it's so small i lost it Um.
1: yeah i mean ideally if you get one that's like rock solid um there are certain tools like that where i'll get requests like hey can you do a tune-up video and i'm like not until you yeah, have right it. I mean, <laughs> don't mess it's with fine. it <laughs> i'm not touching it until it's a problem I mean,
2: I, I, if you're gonna go for that price point though like why we couldn't just we just want to buy like a a normal one with like a base and like real tables well space maybe you know
1: somebody's putting together a certain type of shop and maybe they don't I have guess. the option But you're right at that price point, you could be looking at, you know, one of the basic ones with the stands, but they also are very short beds. And maybe that's an intentional thing. If you are one of those people who does not need all that extra length, anything you put on a stand now has, you know, what, at least 48 inch total length that takes up a lot more floor space. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not recommending you do that, but it's, (laughs) I would rather have the floor standing one with the longer beds, but you know. Different strokes. Hmm. Well, it's cool. I did not realize there was almost this premium category of <laughs> bench top
2: Today, I learned there's like more tools out there. See, right?
1: Old information we're going
2: on here, Matt. <gasps> that's how I know I'm too old for this thing now. Yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm so out of Shannon touch. And I have been. There I don't for even a while. know those fancy joiners. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Oh, good golly. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK at checkout to get, uh, what is it, free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com woodtalk to enter for your chance to win the Clampet Deluxe Kit. Get those things squared up. Clamp them. And
0: win. And win. Yet yet again this week, I used the Wood Talk code to get free shipping on my Rockler order. You did? So there's there's (laughs) at least two instances where where I've used it. So there may be two instances total, but someone's using it. Mm -hmm. So, folks, we come to the end of the show. Here's where we say send us questions. Send them to woodtalkshow.com. Don't send them there. Go to woodtalkshow.com. Submit your question there once you're there, or write your question in an email and email it to what show at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. We're there. Margaret's there anyway. Well, Margaret's doing a there. Fantastic there. bang up job. <laughs> and actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna extend the show by 30 more seconds here and say, take advantage of that. She's actually doing some really cool stuff. She's given you an opportunity to showcase your projects. So she's People submitting projects and showing off projects, getting a little bit more airtime for your project. Um, There's the whole name, the Talk host game that she plays every week, which is
2: that was my favorite. I love that. Did I say this? No. The funniest thing is
1: the, the funnest part about it for me is the fact that I'm on the show you know i'm sure that's why you like it too matt like we're yep. on the show but we cannot <laughs> no, remember tell you. what was <laughs> well said. except this Wait, week this could be me. i think this week I don't know. Be this week obvious. this week was a little more obvious <laughs> yeah <laughs> but
0: yeah that's stuff. this stuff is happening so if you don't follow wood talk on instagram you should um at wood talk you know and of course this stuff is also being posted on facebook as well so um
1: yeah mm-hmm. go find us wood talk show
0: i should say now yeah, i'm wood gonna wood talk show
1: right i'm gonna say i don't think we deserve margaret no
0: i think she's she's too good for us yeah she'll get snatched up by some you know
1: some other joe rogan is gonna come along (laughs) she'll be working for uh for bob and and jimmy bob and jimmy hey speaking of other podcasts um (laughs) shop talk live uh, did a like little feature on the end grain glue myths video, and uh, they said some nice things about my follow up video. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, but they were very kind.
2: Oh, nice. So, so if you try, don't know who you they are, plug your own videos. Is that what
1: you're trying to do? Well, in a roundabout way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, All right.
0: Well, well, since we're doing that, <laughs> speaking of other podcasts, the Lumber <laughs> Update show, I thought was particularly good I
2: thought, this week. That's <laughs> where I thought you were going with this one—is a plug for Shannon show. No, why would I do that?
1: <laughs> yeah. it, the, this this show birthed his show. <laughs> We don't need to plug That's it. True. I mean, we,
2: we got an awesome episode on Tonewood. I was actually and really proud of that out. episode. I think it came out I liked well. it. I actually listened to it twice because I zoned out and missed part of it. There was... Like, processing it, I gotta go back. There was...
0: There's, there's a lot to be said about Tonewood. I I may have to revisit it. That was fun. I enjoyed that. It was... No, I'm gonna have it to, was listen my, to it. I'm subscribed
1: my personal because I'm a good diagram.
2: friend. Yeah. I'm subscribed to the podcast. I just don't listen to yeah. it. Yeah. And then it's like... Shannon's explaining how it like, makes sounds with like the hard and soft palate of your mouth. Like yeah, that?
0: exactly. Yeah. Easy like, to like belcher. That, yeah. Jeez, well, that was a perfect Lynch <laughs> <Linda> Belcher impression. <laughs> Just, uh, doing your All psychic right. powers again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, well, welcome uh, to the after show. <laughs> this is, yeah, this one's off the rails. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time. (laughs) Thank you
0: for continuing to listen, despite this show. For
1: for whatever reason. (laughs) Tolerating. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.